the, very often the the Bali Chuva make the from from birth individuals look bad. They and they really do, in a sense, surpass. For them, they know the other side. They know the darkness. And they they embracing the light when you're coming from darkness to light. There's going to be a passion. There's going to be an excitement. I see the truth. When you grow up with the truth, there's a very, it's very easy to sort of take it for granted. Let me just ride on my parents' coattails. And, you know, you, we, we take it for granted very often. We see many sons of, of rabbis do not follow in their father's footsteps. Very often we see kids taking a very different route. and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with special guests. We have with us all the way from Los Angeles. Correct. The Valley. Shlita, welcome. How's the Rav doing? Chazak doing great from the Valley. We send regards to all of Klaistro. Okay, amazing. We're going to be talking about inside and out, all about the teenagers. And uh, before we get to the exciting topic, I guess, uh, a little bit of background of the rabbi and the great work you involved with. Yes, I've uh, I went to Yeshiva Chavetz Chaim High School and Beis uh, Medrash in Queens. Yes, Baruch Hashem, thirteen years uh, post high school um, and uh, the real schus. I grew up in Queens myself. I'm a Queens boy, Kew Gardens boy myself. Uh, Nineteen eighty six, uh, we moved to Valley Torah High School to Los Angeles, to the Valley. We've been here ever since. Uh, my obviously my main focus. We have a boys' school. About 130 boys. We have another girls' school, uh, 130 girls. Um, I'm responsible for both schools. Uh, been doing that for, like I say, 37 years. This is my 38th year, Baruch Hashem. And in addition, uh, I have the hat. I wear the hat of the head of the Yeshiva Principals Council here in Los Angeles. So very often, Shilas that come up with schools, getting into schools, being thrown out of schools, different issues that come up also come my way as I have to facilitate some of the. Uh, the uh, strategies to deal with those challenges in terms of kids not having yeshiva, uh, both elementary school and high school. And as well, I, I we also learned a lot serving on the advisory board of Elenu for, uh, for a number of years, dealing with the crisis on many levels in America, which again filters into the teenage world, into the Klai Yisrael world. So um, those issues are also very much on my mind and things that I have experience in. Amazing. So the topic of Chinuch is in everyone's mind, educating our, our youth, our children. What is the difference with regards to Chinuch with regards to children and teenagers? Is there a difference with elementary age and high school age? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, and the Sephora, there's a lot we can talk about, but the Sephora introduces us a little bit when he talks about Yosef, when he was um, uh, now, and uh, he was as the end of Bracious, we are told about Yosef and the whole episode with the brothers. And uh, now says the Sephora, there was a certain challenge being in now at 17 years old. He defines it as not as smart as he was, as brilliant as he was. And he was Yosef at Tzadik. <clears throat> at the same time, there's a certain element of a teenager coming into his own. And number one, focus on the immediacy, which is the Saferna's point, focus on the immediacy of the moment where he really could not see the Roas Hanolot of his actions. And the discussions that he had with Yaakov and the whole issue of Lush and Horror regarding the brothers, 
he responded from a position, obviously, again, we're talking about Yosef at Tzaddik, but at the same time, that now was defined as somebody who responds to the immediate as opposed to the long term. And that is something that we've seen, you know, in the teenage world, even the, the scientific world that very often is, jumps on the bad wagon way later than the Torah, of course. Uh, but sometimes they do get it right and they do recognize that what the Torah teaches us is accurate, they too recognize that there is something about the teenage brain that really is very different than the adult brain. And certainly as a youngster before the uh, the teenage years, we're not in that mode where it's got to be my way. Teenagers are very often uh, young men and young women that are feeling their oats, that have found new level of independence, new levels of awareness, and the need to understand that and to respect it while at the same time creating the proper guidelines is something that parents find very challenging. How do you find, how do you give that teenager the level of independence while at the same time saying this is the way it is and I'm still the parent? And uh, when we make mistakes in that regard, we very often end up paying the, re- the results where we, we see too much pushback and uh, a lot of issues. Right, 100%. So as parents uh, listening in, what is the right approach with regard to uh, dealing with educating our teenagers? How much space do we give them? They want to go and explore. They, you know, we know the importance. And, and also, if if there is a difference between the boys and the girls. Okay. Um, so I, there's a lot to be said on this topic. Number one, um, we really, if we think that we're going to win the teenage battle by putting our foot down, as many parents think, and I'm going to show my kid. I'm boss. I run the show. And this is the way it's going to be. It's a, it's my way or the highway. And that whole mentality, you might win short term. You're not going to win long term. I always say you care about how from they are when they're 15 or you care about how from they are when they're 25 and 35. So you might win the battle of the 15-year-old. But, you know, then when you wake up at, at uh, and they're, they're 20 years old and the fire is gone and you know, they want to leave Yeshiva and they're not developing the way you want them to. And you just, what happened? What's happening? And that is, if you speak to our bottom throughout America, it's a very much a crisis within Klai Yisrael of the disconnected Jew. And sometimes even Kyle younger, like they leave, they leave and the, you look at them a few years after Kyle, what happened? And the question is, it wasn't really their own. It, they didn't, you didn't, we didn't give our kids a chance to truly internalize who they are as as Jews, how their avodas Hashem, their service to Hakadosh Baruch Hu is really in properly in 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 line. I just just for a second, I'll say very briefly, but just really on this last week's parsha, we just read in parshas Toldos, the the altar of Kelm has an incredible vart, an incredible idea when he says, "Why did Hakadosh Baruch Hu answer Yitzchok's tefillah instead of Rivka's tefillah?" Right. And Rashi says you can't compare the tefillah of a of a a righteous person, the son of a righteous person, compared to a righteous person who's the son of a of a wicked person. And he asked, "What do you mean?" Just the opposite of Balshuva. We know that somebody who repents, who comes close to Gadish Baruch, is in a much higher level than even a great tzaddik. So what's pshat that all of a sudden here Yitzchak gets answered, and, and not Rivka. Rivka came from a house of Besuel. They, they were idol worshippers. They were conniving, sleazy people, and yet Rivka became Rivka. How, shouldn't she be given so much more credit? He says a, a fantastic idea that <clears throat> the, very often the, the Bali Tshuva make the FFBs, the from-from-birth individuals, look bad. They, and they really do, in a sense, surpass the the one time, yeah. who, who grew up with Y. Because for them, they <clears throat> they know the other side. 
They know the darkness and they they embracing the light. When you're coming from darkness to light, there's going to be a passion. There's going to be an excitement. There's going to be, I want to do everything right. There's no sort of lackadaisical mentality when you are taking full advantage of the opportunity you've been given because Baruch Hashem, I see the truth. When you grow up with the truth, there's a very, it's very easy to sort of take it for granted. Yeah, I'm the son of Avram Avinu. I'm the son of Sarimenu. Let me just ride on my parents' coattails. And, you know, you, we, we take it for granted very often. We see many sons of, of rabbis do not follow in their father's footsteps. Very often we see kids taking a very different route. And what Yitzchak, he explains, was unique from the point of view that he was able to grow up in Avram's house and in Sarah's house, and yet he made it his own. He was a tzaddik, Ben tzaddik means he didn't just ride on their coattails. He totally said, this is my job. I, I, I have to be my Yitzchak. I have to be my unique individual um, person who would ach- achieve greatness, not because uh, who, who my father is, who my mother is, it's about who, about who I am. I need to be the best I could be. I think for us, we have to find ways to allow space for our kids to make choices where they see Yiddishkeit as their own. If you, even if the kids very, forget about being rebellious. They're not rebellious, they follow orders. But if it's only orders that they're following, so did it ever become theirs? Did they ever show for davening because they want to be there for davening? Did they ever spend an extra time uh, at Seder because they chose to be at learning longer? Or is it because pressure, Peer pressure, the parents, you got to do this, you got to be the, you know, you got to be the top kid in the class. All these pressures we create, when do we give the, the this young adult a chance to really embrace Torah for what it really is, the most beautiful life in the world? But they have, they have to embrace it. Have, it has to be theirs. And when they wake up, some of these kids wake up, at, and boys or girls, they wake up 20, 22, 25, sometimes even later, and like, I never bought into this. I just, I kept following orders. I kept following what people were telling me. So, so it's it's a tough thing to navigate. It's not there's not one formula, but number one, uh, we have to give them some space to sort of let them choose their way, and that's why we have to listen to them. We have to talk to them. And the other point is that telling them is really not the answer. Our job as parents is to make Yiddishkeit so beautiful, so yeah. uplifting, so exciting, so vibrant, so relevant that who would want to live another life? Because nobody really, when they know what Torah is about, no one wants to live another life. Who who in the world would, would give this up when they know the truth, when we know what, what it's how beautiful it is and how uplifting it is and how connected it is? You wouldn't we wouldn't want to go anyplace else. But why do kids do? Because they think they're not getting that satisfaction. It's not this is not what I chose. It's not what I want. And therefore, they very often they they leave and they very often they come back. But how sad is it to have to, to make this very circuitous route away and they come back and they go through different challenges, different crises. If we can make it where our home, when they come home, there is this sense of connection and positivity and receptivity and excitement and just the, the just unbridled joy of being a Tyra Dikiyid, that's what they have to see. And then they choose it on their own, as opposed to us telling them what they have to do. And the the amount, the space. Again, I you know I could just maybe speak from a personal experience. Baruch Hashem, I raised six kids myself, and now Baruch Hashem, they marry, they have families. But when when a kid wants to sort of you know dabble, not something that's prohibited, but even something that's permissible, but maybe not exactly what you had in mind. You know, if if and then I'll just pick one example that's sort of universal. The kid says, you know, I don't want to wear a hat. For davening, I don't want to. I, I, don't, I don't feel comfortable with the hat. So this, I, I'm picking something very lukewarm. Where we're not, we're not. It, okay, 
That's you're gonna make that battle. You're gonna pick that battle. No, you have to wear the hat. So he starts getting re- resentment, and they start feeling negative. And you know, a, a girl comes, and you know, I want to do whatever the earring a little bit here, or the second earring. These are lachic prohibitions, and that's a little independence, a little asserting. Maybe there are school rules, but outside of school, you know, is it so terrible? So I'm picking very part of a lukewarm things that don't do not go against halacha, but clearly we have to navigate sometimes even against halacha. Gedolim is saying now, even God forbid, if a kid goes completely off, our job is to keep loving them and keep them connected and keep them close. Certainly if if the space that they're asking for is something that's that's not going against halacha, the idea that my tzaddik is going to do this, no way. No, shalom, no. Our, you know, we, we, we do everything. Well, you know, it's one thing to to feel that way about the overall feeling of your home, but this particular individual young man or young lady, you know, needs to have some space and needs to feel that let me find my way. And when they find a way, I'd, I'll just say one 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 of my children loved loved hearing to you know non non Jewish music, loved listening to non Jewish music. I could have put my foot down, I didn't, and and you know what? How much more meaningful is it that in eleventh grade that particular child says? I dropped it. If I had said no, their whole life, they would have said, my father didn't let me listen and I want to and I've all, you know, and maybe they sneak it and they, you know, they sneak here, they sneak there and there's resentment. And, you know, you know, I, I said, just don't play it out loud. Put it, put it in your earbuds. And then so I, I said, you know, you know how we feel, but if you really want to listen, you know, listen with your, and by 11th grade, you know, where they, they, they dropped it and they, they went in a different direction, Baruch Hashem. So, I, you know, again, I'm, there's no set formula. There's always you have to consult, you have to ask. But the idea that that we just sort of lower the boom and we're happy because 14 through 17 they follow all the rules and they ended up, you know, winning the Torah award at the graduation. We're being short sighted. We want to produce young men and women that love Yiddishkeit, not just follow orders, because eventually they're not going to want to follow orders. It's not about following orders. It's about living a life that's that's true, and they should embrace that truth on their own. Powerful. And it was mentioned also, is there a difference with regards to the raising of boys and girls in teenage years? Certainly there's a difference, and obviously the challenges of, of technology and the, the issues of, you know, what, uh, of exposure. Um, that was also questioned about technology and phones. That's for the teenagers. They, there's always that Shiloh, that question the parents ask, uh, what what's the rule by the yeshiva and valley stream? The valley Torah. Um, valley Torah. We yeah we we're we are not uh, a black hat school so to speak. Um, we're very we're very close. I guess on the girls level, we're close to a base Yaakov. Maybe on on a certain certain out of town schools, we would be called the base Yaakov. But we do our girls do have phones. They have to give it in every day. They get it for about 15 minutes, but we're getting girls who from the schools that they come from, they already come with with uh with I with smartphones. And the boys too. Uh 90 to 95 percent of our students, when they have graduated from their elementary schools, come to us already with phones. So for us to say you can't have a phone, it, it's it would not work in our community with our families, it would not work. But you educate them, you talk about filtering. You talk about, you know, tagging the phones and it's a, it involves a lot of education. And, you know, uh, Baruch Hashem, there are many places where uh, kids and parents can learn about the dangers of, of technology. There's, it's no secret as to what it's doing to our kids. So this is where, again, discussion, understanding, uh, 
setting the tone early, not to allow if they're fourth, third, fourth graders already with the phones and they're already playing and everything. It's 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 about parents taking responsibility because when they're not teenagers, we could create a certain standard for them about what they're exposed to. If we if we if we break down early and just you know give in to everything that they want, then by the time they get to you know older years, it's it's going to be very tough to pull back. Um, and that's where issue of getting into good habits and uh, good environments and creating proper standards is important. Uh, while we're creating the positive feelings about Yiddishkeit, yes, there has to be guidelines as well. 100%. Rabbi Stolberger, very, very nice words of wisdom. How about the situation with regards to teenagers and sleeping? So, <laughs> well, again, this is where parenting has to come in a little bit um, to allow a child unfettered access to technology in their rooms where there is not an understanding of when that technology stops. Um, it's it's criminal. I mean, it's uh, nothing short of being criminal, but it happens. I mean, I, I, you know, you come in. I just I talk about it all the time with the seeing kid. We have 130 boys in the in the school, but there's certainly a a. a not insignificant number, but their heads down, they're exhausted, they can't they can't open up their eyes for davening or for sheer. What happened? And this is, you know, this is again not a valetory issue. This is a uh, across the board issue. Well, well, I was on this and the games and the the technology and the you know the 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 chleis, the fortnight, all this mishigasim that they're involved with until four o'clock in the morning. Where are the parents saying, not not on my watch? No, uh, I'm still the parent. And this is not going to take away their their feelings of independence. This is, again, these are all logical things that we can all understand. And the earlier we start with these guidelines, they're, they're already understand. You know, my parents love me. They care about me. Kids do want structure. They do want discipline. Uh, so we start early. They they recognize uh, it's not it's not just a, you know, a open season to do whatever you want. So, yes, it's getting getting enough sleep. Uh, get, Closing that technology off at the right time is is a very critical thing, and not having it in the room, uh, basically unfettered for kids, is is an absolute must. But unfortunately, many parents just they don't go there. They don't they don't want the fight, and therefore they just they let it go. Besides, for the going to sleep aspect, there is also the waking up aspect when there's no yeshiva, or even when there is yeshiva, it's that difficulty, and uh, it all depends one on the other, I guess, with regards to what time they go to sleep and what time they wake up this time. No, no question. No question. And and again, you know, for a child to have that excitement to want to be at a minion, where does that come from? You know, if if it's always about the rule, the rule, the rule. Okay, no rules. Today. I'm I'm off today, so I can sleep till eleven o'clock. Uh, if we make it more about connecting to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, this is what this is what we as Jews do, and this is something that how would you not want to grab the opportunity especially with the matzah of Eretz Yisrael, our brothers and sisters need us, and how could we not be there for them? So we're going to sleep away while they're on the front lines facing all what they're facing. It, it's, it's that sense of achrayis that, again, to appeal not to the rules, this is what you must do, but this is what we should be doing, this is what we need to do for the sake of our brothers and sisters. Rabbi Avram Stolberger, very, very powerful words. The things that come out of the heart enter the heart. We want to give a thank you to Mulher Me'or Moshe Naim for suggesting that the Rav Shlita joins the Torah Talks podcast. We have a minute, a custom on Torah Talks, which is a final message to our broader audience. Well, 
the message really is that while there are many, many families that, that are struggling with Chinech Habanam and Chinech Habanos, um, I've heard the expression already 25 years ago, uh, you know, the concept of uh, almost every family has the challenge of having a, a child being, you know, moving away and not where they need to be. And it's causing a tremendous amount of anguish within Klai Yisrael to see, uh, you know, uh, how many young men and women are, are not being uh, being part of the fold. Um, I think there there is... I think if especially if we adopt this concept of of loving the unconditional love, um, again Avram Avinu was told by Hashem, "Take the son that you love." And Hashem, and Avram answered back, "I don't know, I don't know who I love more. You want? I have a measuring rod on my loins. The measure says that I should measure who I love more. I have Yishmael and I have Yitzchak. I don't know who you mean. I don't know who you mean." Says Rambam Shulevitz, "How can you love Yishmael like you love a Yitzchak? You know, yeah." The answer is we we do again. We have to. It's it's hard. It's 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 challenging. But Avram said to Hashem, "I love them both. I don't know who you mean." Even though he had one who was a nachas machine and the other one was the Yishmael who we know we know his basic life till he did shuv at the very end of his life. He was a uh, he was not an easy child by any any stretch. So we have to love them and we have to recognize they could very come very easily come back. Don't give up hope. Don't don't be down. Try to create the environments up front earlier that we don't have the challenges. But if we're going through it, if we keep positive, we keep the love, we keep them connected. Uh, we have seen incredible young men and women growing up from homes that are not so strong, and, and they they go through their their teenage years. They go through their you know their their periods of time where they not they might not be where they need to be. But with the love and with the support, they emerge to be incredible people. And we see. It, so often. Uh, so, you know, my ultimate message is one of optimism that uh, we're living in special times. There's a Ruach out there in Eretz Yisrael where Amuna, where Achtus is, is part of the overall atmosphere. Let's grab onto it. Let's let's take that positivity of what we're feeling in Eretz Yisrael, of how we responded as a nation to this incredibly horrific uh, event, the horrific events of of Simchas Torah to to respond with such strength and such chesed and such such love such love for one another. Let's manifest that love to our children. Our children should always see in our eyes. I love you, unconditional love. I know you're going through stuff. I know maybe you're not doing what I would want you to do, but I still love you. I'm I'm here for you. When we can connect to them on that way, we're not chasusham dismissing them, discarding them, or giving them a feeling of of a terrible disappointment. They will come back. They will see the truth. They will see that this is the most beautiful life that a person could possibly lead. And Bez Hashem will see nachas from all of them. Amen. Yishikach to Rabbi Avram Stolberger with those amazing, amazing words of inspiration of Chizok about B'chinach Habanim, of educating our children, our boys, our girls, teenagers in particular. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Torah Anytime for hosting this podcast along with all the other podcast players. And a special thank you to Daily Giving. A dollar day really goes a very, very far away. We see it ourselves over here at Chazak. And I uh, want to thank the Rav once again. want to thank all those involved with Chazak and everyone, uh, all of our dear audience. Baruch Hashem, we get a tremendous amount of feedback. And it means a lot to us, actually, to hear back from all the listeners. Uh, and uh, feel free to send an email to info at chazak.org, info at chazak.org. Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Chazak Torah Talk with special guests. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Rabbi Avram. And uh, we should all be sorry to see the Geula, Shema, the Kingdom of Redemption. It should be our days. Amen, amen. Thank you.